Maestea Goes Everywhere, Episode 8, Queen Maria Lascarina and Cleis Fortress. Every night when Aristea went to bed, her mother or her grandmother or her auntie would tell her stories of places and people all over the world. And every night Aristea would dream of great people and breathtaking places. In the morning when she awoke, Aristea would continue to think about the stories and her dreams. Aristea was sure she was a princess, because princesses sometimes had to make very difficult decisions, like Princess Yelena, who decided to follow the Russian Tsar and his family to Siberia, or like Queen Elizabeth of Bosnia, who tried to protect her daughter's throne. Aristea wasn't ready to grow up and be responsible for such decisions yet, but she wanted to be ready for them when she was older. Aristea was determined to be the best possible princess she could be, even though it meant she would have to do very hard things. This was one of the reasons she loved hearing stories about the great princesses of the past and how they approached difficulties and successes. Aristea knew she was very lucky because her mother Antonella had such a big family and so many friends. And so Aristea was always getting to travel to meet amazing people who loved her and knew all about all sorts of different places and people. Aristea had learned so much about so many princesses and she was sure that it was going to make it much easier to be a princess herself when she grew up. Aristea, her mother, her Nona, and her auntie Anita were visiting Miss Ruthie's house in Split, Croatia, and Aristea was having a lovely time. She was spending many days at the beautiful beach, and her hair was becoming more blonde than it had ever been before. She was also enjoying her wonderful food, because everything was very fresh and still tasted of the hot outdoor sun. One day, her mother asked if Aristea would like to visit Cleese Fortress, which wasn't very far away from where they were staying, with Antonella's good friend Milica. What kind of fortress is it? Aristea asked. She loved to visit palaces and castles, but she had also learned that just because something was called a palace didn't mean that it would look like anything in a Disney movie. It's a very old fortress, Milica told her. It was built more than 2,000 years ago, even before the Romans came, by the Illyrians. Aristea was intrigued. Is it still standing, she asked. This was an important question as well, because sometimes castles fell down, and they could be very interesting to visit when they were ruined, but you had to wear very different clothing to explore them. It is mostly standing, Milica said, but it has been abandoned for more than a century, and so it's not at all livable. Okay, I should wear shorts then, Aristea said. She also decided to wear her exploring hat that her Uncle Milan had given her. Aristea felt very strongly that princesses could, and often should, be more than princesses, and she was still trying to decide between being a princess explorer or a princess detective. It was a very short drive to Cleese Fortress, and Aristea was so entranced with watching the landscape 
that she didn't have time for her usual story about a princess, but her first sight of Cleef's fortress made her gasp out loud. It's amazing, isn't it? Milica asked her. You know, most people come to see it because it was featured on a famous TV series. But the true things that happened here were actually far more interesting than what was on the TV show. I'd like to watch that show, Aristea said to her mother. You should probably wait until you're 30 for that, Antonella replied, and refused to discuss it further. Aristea was a little put out, but she asked Milica about some of the things that had happened at Cleese. Well, remember, this fortress is over 2,000 years old, so it's had a lot of time to be a part of history, Milica said. There were Illyrians, Romans, Croatians, Bosnians, Venetians, Ottomans, and Austrians here, all at different times. Queen Elizabeth of Bosnia was held prisoner here before she was killed. Aristea interrupted Milica excitedly. Oh, I know about Elizabeth of Bosnia and her two daughters who were kings. Then she made a very sad face. That princess story ended as a terrible tragedy. Aristea was coming to accept that most stories had tragedies in them, but she still didn't like it when they ended as a tragedy. Sometimes it made her sad for quite a long while. Well, Milica said, I actually have a story about a queen that lived here that didn't end as a tragedy. Would you like to hear it? Oh, yes, Aristea shouted. She jumped up and down a bit in anticipation. Her mother Antonella pointed to a bench and said she thought everyone should sit in the shade for the story while she went to get some drinks and snacks from the store at the bottom of the fortress hill. Aristea can get a bit cranky if she gets too hungry, and we'll be walking around a lot in the fortress, Antonella said. Milica laughed and agreed, and then pulled Aristea up to sit next to her and started the story. Even before Elizabeth of Bosnia, there was a very young Greek woman who married the son of the King of Hungary. Her name was Maria Lascarina. She was from Greece? Aristea asked. She hadn't heard stories about Greek princesses yet. She was the daughter of the King of Nicaea, a part of the Byzantine Empire. And it was a time of a lot of war for the Byzantines. Maria Lascarina, whose sister married the Byzantine Emperor himself, saw a lot of dangerous times and fights before she came to Hungary for her marriage, even though she was only 12 years old at the time. But we're in Croatia. Aristea reminded Milica. We're supposed to have a story about a princess in Croatia, not Greece or Hungary. Milica was very patient with Aristea, but she could also be very firm. At the time, Croatia and Hungary shared the same king. But you can't interrupt or I will stop the story before you hear anything more about Maria Lascarina. Aristea nodded and sat back on the bench to listen. Maria and Bella of Hungary married when they were both only 12 years old, in 1218. But soon Bella's father felt that the marriage wasn't good enough for his son. He tried to force the two to divorce in order to find someone with higher status, but the church in Hungary refused to allow it. And this was very good, as Maria Lascarina had converted from her Orthodox faith 
to the Latin Catholic faith when she married. It would have been very difficult to manage if the marriage had been ended without her consent. That's just rude, Aristeas said. Yes, Milica answered. Kings can be terribly rude. Four years after they married, Maria Lascarina gave birth to their first child. Bella and Maria would go on to have ten children, and later two of their daughters would become saints. Ten is a lot of children, Aristeas said. That's a lot of children. Militza merely nodded. There isn't much that can be said about it, because ten children really is a lot. In 1235, Bella's father died, and he became king, and Maria Lascarina became queen. But in 1242, disaster struck. Bella and Maria had to flee Hungary, because they were being chased by the Mongol invasion. This invasion had devastated parts of Europe and Russia. Nations that had been extremely prosperous had collapsed, and those armies were coming through Hungary and chasing Maria Lascarina's husband. It was terrifying. That's when the Hungarian royal family, including a very pregnant Maria Lascarina, came to Cleese Fortress. Aristea clapped her hands. That's where we are right now, she said jubilantly. Milica patted her knee and Aristea calmed down to hear more of the story. The Tatar portion of the Mongol army were hot on the heels of Bella and Maria and enraged that the royal family had taken refuge in such a tough place. They tried to attack the fortress from all sides, but that didn't work. They tried to climb up the walls to invade the fortress, but those inside threw heavy rocks and knocked the climbers down, often crushing them. Eventually, the invaders gave up and moved on, but really, Cleese Fortress was the beginning of the end for the invaders that had terrified Europe for several years. Aristea's mouth made a little O. You mean they were defeated right here? she asked. Right here, Milica nodded. And not only that, but while all this was going on, Maria Lascarina gave birth to a beautiful little girl right here in the fortress as well. She was named Margaret and her parents pledged to God that if the Mongols were defeated, she would be dedicated to the church. And that is exactly what happened. Was she one of the saints? Aristea asked. She was, Milica responded. But this isn't the end of Maria Lascarina's story. Bella and Maria rewarded Cleese Fortress, the island of Trogir, and the island of Rab for protecting them during the invasion. The city of Split had refused to help, and so Bella didn't leave anything at all to help enrich them. Well, maybe they should have helped then, Aristea said. I can't argue with that, Melissa laughed, but they were quite irritated to be left out of the gold in the presence. Unfortunately, this was not the end of fighting that Maria Lascarina would be involved in. In the 1260s, her husband and son began fighting each other, and the king of Serbia, Stefan Uros, took advantage of this. He invaded a part of Hungary called Machva. And even before invading Machva, Stefan Uros had been fighting with the Byzantine Empire, Maria Lascarina's family. Maria was furious. 
She personally commanded the army, which went south and defeated the Serbs, and her men even managed to capture the Serbian king. Aristea clapped her hands. Another warrior princess, she exclaimed. What do you expect from a woman who gives birth while Mongols are besieging her castle? Milica asked. She was very tough. Unfortunately, Maria Lascarina also had a reputation for wanting a lot of land and getting those lands in ways that were not entirely honest. Back then, wealth was generated by how much land a person held, and Maria wanted as much as she could get. The queens that came after her had a bit of a hard time untangling all her land dealings so they could be distributed fairly. Aristea was disappointed to hear bad news about a queen who had seemed very brave and admirable, and she told Milica this. People all have shortcomings, Milica said, even princesses and queens. We just need to be honest about them so that we can try to overcome them and be the best possible princesses we can. And Maria Lascarina had very, very good qualities as well, even more than being brave. What else? Aristea asked. She was eager to hear better things about the Hungarian queen. Well, she was a very capable administrator, and she took care of her son's lands in Slavonia for him, Milica said. At this time, women weren't often trusted to do such things. In Zagreb, burgers even came to her to settle their disputes. And another thing, when the Serbs invaded, and then after the invasion when the Hungarians built the great fortress at Visegrad to protect Hungary in the future, Maria Lascarina sold her own personal jewelry to finance the building. She really did care about the safety of her nation. Aristea was relieved to hear that. She knew things could be quite complicated for adults, and even more complicated for adults who were ruling countries. But she still didn't like any sort of dishonesty. It seemed very unprincess-like to her. By this time, Antonella had returned from the small store, and she sat next to Aristea. Is the story nearly done? she asked. There's a whole fortress for us to see up there. It is, Milica replied. I promised Aristea that this story didn't end as a tragedy, but it does end just a few years after the Serbian invasion in Hungary. By 1270, Maria Lascarina and her husband Bella were both in their late 60s, which was quite old for that time. They had been married 50 years, and all the evidence left seems to show that Bella really treasured and trusted his wife. It seems that Maria Lascarina truly loved her husband as well, because when Bella died in May of 1270, Maria followed him just two months later. They were buried together. Oh, that is a very nice ending, Aristea said, relieved. A long life, many children, and they're even buried together after a good marriage. It's so nice when a story doesn't end as a tragedy. Life was still very difficult for Maria Lascarina, and she went through some very difficult times, Antonella reminded Aristea. Yes, but she overcame it all in the end, Aristea said. I like to know that sometimes everything ends with a nice ever after even if it isn't a fairy tale. The three walked up the stone pathway to the fortress and entered. The views were incredible, 
even if Aristea was a little scared to look down from the tall heights. They walked up the zigzag front walls all the way to the top, and Aristea thought she could feel the history of the stones touching her through her shoes. I'm walking exactly where Elizabeth of Bosnia must have walked, she thought. She wondered if she and Elizabeth, or Maria Lascarina, had touched the same stones and the same walls. Thinking of all the history that had come before her in this place was a bit overwhelming for Aristea, and Militza noticed that she was a bit out of sorts. Aristea, have you ever heard what local people say about Cleese Fortress? Militza asked. Aristea shook her head. They say it is difficult for Cleese because it is on the rock, and it's difficult for the rock because Cleese is on it. The three of them laughed at this silly saying, and Aristea felt much better. It really was such a lovely day to be in Croatia.